Hi, I'm Judith Dreyer. Thank you for joining me for this podcast series, The Holistic Nature of Us. My intent is to take us, you and I, into a better understanding of the concepts behind our holistic nature and how that ties directly to the holistic nature of the world around us. How can we connect the dots in practical ways that we are nature and nature's in us? I feature authors and educators, practitioners and others whose passion for this earth helps us create bridges. We'll see what's trending, what's relevant to our world today, not just for land use, but to connect the dots between ourselves and nature. It's time for practical action and profound interchange so our natural world is valued once again. And today, I am delighted to introduce you to Craig Floyd. Craig Floyd is the farm manager for the Coogan Farm, which is a part of the Denison Pequot Seapost Nature Center here in Mystic, Connecticut. Uh, welcome, Craig. It's nice to have you. Oh, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. So what I'd like to do is tell us a little bit about yourself and the farm and how things got going over there and uh, some of the perks of the farm. Well, I'm a 72-year-old uh, farmer. My family has been farming on one spot since 1712. I own Connecticut's first certified humane farm. And in 2014, uh, I was offered a position um, at the Denison Pequot Seapers Nature Center, or DPNC, here in Mystic, Connecticut. And um, uh, I took over as the farm manager in September of 2014. And one of the things we wanted to do, um, we purchased this property in, in, in 2013, and uh, we wanted to keep the farm in Cooper Farm. And it's a significant farm because it was established in the mid-1600s, and it was, in fact, the last open space in Mystic, and we wanted to save it so that people could come and enjoy nature and walk on our 45-acre farm, and, and this also connects to our main campus uh, to really be able to enjoy this. But my focus has been the Giving Garden, and um, at my age, I uh, realized very quickly that I can't do both my farm and this farm um, really well. And so I'm concerned about feeding people. And our garden, we donate 100% of what we grow to the Gemma Moran Food Bank in New London to help feed the 23,000 um, people that are food insecure in New London County. Um, most people are probably aware there's 40 million food insecure people in this country, 13 million are children. Frankly, I don't understand why. But uh, we developed this garden, and the first year in 2014, we uh, we did 2,080 pounds, and last year we did 17,000. We've donated over 20 tons of food, which equates to about 96,000 meals in the past uh, four years. And I would say that this is not your typical farm. This is a regenerative farm. It's a no-till, no-spray farm. If it doesn't go in my mouth, it doesn't go in the soil because I don't want it to go in a child's belly. So we don't spray, uh, we don't use any pesticides or herbicides or anything like that. So we are 100% donor and sponsor um, financed and uh, my workforce is all volunteers. In, in 2018, I had about 370 volunteers that did 4,500 hours. Um, so it's all about the mission and the community, helping the community 
and uh, and we're blessed to be here. It's a fabulous project. Um, for those of my listeners who are not familiar with Connecticut, the Mystic Coastline by Mystic Seaport, Mystic Aquarium is is really lovely, and the fact that you've taken at 43 acres for farming and all that you've contributed is outstanding, you know, for uh, not only fulfilling your goal and your mission and your heart's desire, but contributing to the health of the community because you're doing regenerative farming. Yeah, the, the issue is, is that <coughs> in the 1940s, we had to make ammonium nitrate because we, we were in a war and we needed to blow stuff up. And then after the war was over, over the chemical companies said, what are we going to do with all this ammonium nitrate? Oh, we'll sell it to farmers and they can give it to the plants. Well, what they did is they fed the plants, killed the soil. Um, with that in mind, in 2014, the United Nations put out a worldwide alert that at the current rate of soil degradation, we have 60 years of soil left on the entire planet. Um, it's not good, and we will lose water before we lose soil. So one of the things that we're trying to do here, education is um, one of my primary responsibilities, and uh, we have continuing uh, gardening classes all year round, and people can find out about those at our website, www.dpnc.org. But we're here to teach the volunteers a Mother Earth way friendly um, to actually work with the soil and have absolutely outstanding production. Most people's gardens are getting 15 to 20 percent of the plant's capability. Um, we can show you how to do a lot more of that uh, than that with absolutely no chemicals, just using uh, natural stuff and focusing really strongly on microbiology. If you don't have the little worker dudes, um, I don't care what you put in your soil, it's not going to be fed to the plant. So well, we really focus on microbiology and we teach that to people and uh, we've been very successful. Could you tell us a little bit more about that because I'm personally fascinated by the um, mycorrhizal hypha, the fungal network, the microbes in the soil and how they're all so interconnected and it's caused me to change how I manage my little garden in my neck of the woods for our, our food production. Uh, to try to keep the network intact, but how how do you approach that with newbies, so to speak? Uh, with newbies, the, the fastest way is to purchase it. You can purchase um, uh, microbiology, which makes it um, relatively easy. Not everybody wants to go out and buy a microscope and look at a soil sample and see whether you've got good nematodes or bad nematodes or, or, or the bacteria that's in there. And what you're actually trying to do you would like to have 75,000 species of bacteria and 25,000 species of fungi in a teaspoon of soil. Most people aren't going to go to that extreme. So there's places like Advancing Eco Agriculture in, in Ohio uh, where you can buy um, uh, uh, microbes. Also right here in Connecticut, one of my favorite things to put on the garden um, is called Quantum. And it comes from Green Earth, Ag and Turf, and they're in Brantford, I believe. Uh, one gallon will treat an acre. Now, I'm here to tell you, if you are growing any kind of a leafy, whether it's Swiss chard or kale or, 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 or whatever, and you apply some quantum to that 
leafy crop, let's say on a Friday. And Saturdays and Sunday, you take the days off and you come back on Monday. And you're going to be really very surprised at how much your vegetables, the leafies, have jumped and how they have turned much darker green. I have had buckwheat um, jump eight inches in four days. Um, my goodness. Tell us again, what is what is in quantum? What is it again? It's all microbiology. Okay. Um, anybody that's interested, I can send you the PDF that tells you what all the little creatures are that's in quantum. And not only that is, why is this particular guy in here? What does he or she bring to the soil? Um, why do I need that? And um, it, it's amazing. And, and if you're living in the city, and you don't have a garden, but you've got a yard, you put quantum on your yard, and your neighbors are not going to be happy with you because you're going to have the best grass in the neighborhood. Hmm. Which I'd like to discourage a little bit, you know. I need to. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see more natural landscapes out there that promote um, not only biodiversity for our critters, but it, it also repairs the soil, um, it feeds, it, it grows better nutrients in the soil, and it keeps that microbial network really stronger so that we have nutrient-rich food. I think you and I talked about this um, prior to the podcast, but some of our food is, is, is like there's nothing in it. You know, we all know the hothouse tomato has no flavor. Yes, it can last on the shelf a bit longer, but we want juicy tomatoes filled with nutrients, you know, et cetera. Well, here, herein lies the issue is that um, uh, your listener's food, and there's probably a few exceptions, but not many, has lost 50% of its nutritional quality since 1940, and it loses another 30% within three days of coming out of the field. They're eating food that's 80% deficient. Now, I would be willing to bet you that you can't go out, buy a brand-new 2019 apricot-colored Lamborghini, take it to the local shell station, put 87 octane in it, and expect it to work. And yet we're doing that to our bodies. We're giving it to our children. They're all sick. We can change that strictly by focusing on the microbiology that's in the soil and remineralizing the soil, which no home gardener does this because people just don't know about it. You know, native peoples used to inhabit areas around active volcanoes for a reason, despite the danger. And that reason was that the soil was extremely fertile. If you add basalt or carbonatite or azomite to your, to your soil, you're going to really increase the nutritional quality of your food. I guarantee you that I can improve every single thing that you do if I just change your food. And you can do it yourself. Um, it's not that hard. Um, you know, if people went to the Bionutrient Food Association, um, Google that and watch some of the, the um, podcasts and the, and, the, and the webinars that are on there and learn a little bit about that or come and take some of our garden classes or just come see me and, uh, and we'll show you how to do it. And we will really, really change your gardening. We do not realize the potential of plants in this garden and I ask people all the time, do you grow tomatoes? Well, yes, I do. And how big do your tomatoes get? Well, they get about four and a half, five feet tall. Okay. And how many pounds of tomatoes do you get off of one plant? 
Well, I probably get 15 to 20 pounds, but do you know what the potential is? The potential is 22 feet tall, 300 pounds, one plant. The, wow, for just yeah, the, the, for just the, one the tomato plant. Wow. Yeah, one tomato plant. Um, there's a lot of factors in that. You know, people plant tomato plants too close together. We plant ours 60 inches on center. We put four basil plants around each tomato plants because basil and tomatoes are buddies in marinara sauce. They also happen to be buddies in the soil. And then we'll intersperse uh, borage and comfrey um, in our tomato row. That really attracts the, the pollinators. Um, and in our garden, we we have a hedgerow that is made to specifically attract um, pollinators. And we do have six beehives on the farm. But honeybees are kind of like, well, I don't want to say they're like teenage boys, but they are a little lazy and uh, until there's competition. So if you've got a group of teenagers there and you throw a basketball in or a football, uh, um, everything changes. And the honeybees are the same way. When you have uh, competition from native pollinators, it pushes the honeybees to um, put out three times more honey, which means they have to visit three times more of my plants and my production goes up. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Little known facts that uh, most of us are not aware of. Um, that I, I appreciate the detail that you're giving us because I've seen gigantic plants, but I was under the misperception that they were so overfed that they produced, you know, gigantic crops, and that that's not necessarily natural either. So what you're saying is, if the plant potential is 22 feet with 300 tomatoes, then our six-foot plants um, are not only falling short, but they're not always that healthy either. So there's something we have to look at with the soil and what we're doing. Well, and you probably started your tomato off wrong to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing is is that most people probably bought that tomato plant in a nursery or a farm garden center, and they were under the misconception that they want to get the biggest plant possible so they're going to pick a tomato plant that's two feet tall. The tomato plant has already made her decision when she was four inches tall of what her potential is going to be. She made a conscientious decision. And plants are living, breathing, thinking, deducting, in, intelligent beings that communicate. They just don't have an old, ugly face. And, and when you start treating them different, and, and, and I know I'm out there. But I'll tell you what, I will compare my production with anybody. Um, when you start treating plants as human beings, so what I mean by that in, in many, many ways is every single seed that you are going to put into your garden, you must inoculate it. And you can get that inoculation. Um, it's called BioCoat Gold, and it comes from um, um, Advancing Eco-Agriculture. And by the way, John Kemp is the Amish man that owns that company. And uh, if, if you really want to learn some stuff that's really out there but really beneficial, look at his different webinars that he has. It's unbelievable um, what he what he can do. I mean, you garden? Did you test your water? Uh, no, I haven't. Not recently. Mm -mm. So. Do you, so you don't know what the hardness of your water is. Water should not be over 70 parts per million in hardness, which means that if it's above that, up to 150 parts per million, 
70% of the amendments you put on your soil, you're thrown away. Uh, what about when you t- when you take water from uh, roofs? We have rain barrels, and you know, two years ago we had quite a drought, so we used uh, all the water from the rain barrels. That's the way to do it, exactly. Um, you use the rain barrels. Um, you know, we did some experimenting this year um, with thirty uh, percent hydrogen peroxide, uh, which most people can't can't buy. Uh, and what that did is it really put oxygen into the soil, and it did it it did make a difference. Um, but Yes, rainwater. I mean, if you have a garden that is of the size, that you can do that. And understand that you know, the old adage used to be an inch of water a week. No, that's not true. The garden needs to be watered every day. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to water it every day, because if it rains, God already did it for you. But the, but the garden needs to be watered every single day. And the other big mistake that, that people make is, I just had a lady um, this morning that came to talk about gardening, and I said, what do you have growing in your garden right now? And she said, nothing. Well, so what's going to happen is, is in the springtime, you're going to put all those plants in the garden, and you're not going to get the boost that you should have because you're, you're, you're not feeding those microbes in there. You're not, pop, you're not providing photosynthesis to the garden. Um, that should be uh, year-round, um, especially in the wintertime. And also wintertime is when the most um, most amount of uh, decomposition actually occurs. So um, gardening does not stop. Gardening is not May through September. Gardening is 365. And if you do it that way, and you always have something growing in your garden, um, it'll make a huge difference. Just simple stuff like weeding. I had a, a lady came, and, and she told me that she was a master gardener. And, and I said, oh, that's great. And, and uh, she said, what would you like me to do? And I said, I need you to go over there and weed that row. So she went to the row that I pointed out, and she started pulling the weeds out. I said, whoop, wait, stop. Why are you pulling them out? Well, you told me to weed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not how we weed. We weed by cutting it off at the soil, leave the roots in. Right. Yep. Right, and that's a practice that I've been um you know, adopting lately is is to just do a very light. We have a nice electric mower, and just go right over the tops of the grasses and leave all the root structure there. Uh, so it connects. They're, they're all connected under the beds anyway. So to me, it feels like it's healthier by, by doing that. Um, but that's a mis a misperception again. It's also the lack of education, and I find mm-hmm. folks like yourself who are deeply passionate and committed to uh, working in a sustainable way, you have such great recommendations for all of us. You really do. Well, you know, the other thing about gardening is I ask people all the time, do you like to garden? Yep. Why? Well, I like to grow the biggest zucchini. Nope, that's not why you like to do it. The reason you like to do it is this, and I'll explain it in this in this fashion. Um, so uh, a couple of years ago, a young man walked into my garden. I was the only one there. And our garden, by the way, is 11,800 square feet plantable. It's wow. inside It's inside a, a 30,000 square feet uh, fenced-in area. And the gentleman walked in. I could tell he was either military or, or police officer or something. And I, he said to me, he said, do you mind if I walk around? I said, of course not, brother. Go ahead and walk around. Just don't step on my beds. And so he's walking around, and uh, here comes a, a tour group. And I have to go um, talk to the tour group. So I start making a presentation to this 
group of a dozen or so people. And the first guy comes up to me and he said, Mr. Floyd, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. I said, sure, brother, what do you need? He said, I just came back from my third tour in Afghanistan. I said, I was in Vietnam, brother, I get it. And he says, but there's something I don't understand. I said, what's that? He said, I haven't felt this calm in years. I said, it's the bacteria in the soil, brother. What's happening is you are disturbing the bacteria in the soil. That bacteria in the soil is generating the production and release of serotonin in your brain. You're wasted. You just don't know it. You need to fall on, brother. I will give you piglets. I have piglets. I will give you piglets. Long story short, um, I gave him the piglets. He's farming. He's doing well. Um, God bless him. Wow, that's a great story because I've also read, they actually have a name for it, geosmen is what they call it, um, that gets into our brain, that affects our serotonin level. And when we look at some of the research out there where children are not allowed anymore to just go outside and play in a sandbox or play in the dirt, they're missing uh, some of those microbes that we that we need to feed our biology because we're more microbe than we are human flesh. You know, we we just can't see it, so we have a hard time connecting the dots in that way. Yeah, those numbers are 95 and five. Um, and the five percent is human cells, 95 is bacterial cells. That's why your microbiome is so uh, important. That's why our microbiome is the same thing as Mother Nature's microbiome uh, with all that bacteria and stuff that's in there. But our garden attracts a lot of people um, with um, uh, special needs that come from different organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will relate that we have a, a local school that has children that cannot be in a normal classroom because of anger issues. And when they first came to my garden, each child had two adults to maintain control of them. And I told them, I said, once these kids have been here about 10 minutes, I don't need the rest of you. Um, because they're going to be normal children. Um, and so they found out that the old guy knew what he was talking about, and now um, those children come, and there will be just one or two adults for the entire group of, of kids. Um, we have uh, young adults that come um, that can't be, um, or they have social issues. Um, there would be no eye-to-eye contact, no communication. Um, they could not complete a task. And they've been me with me now for over two years. Um, they talk to me. Uh, they want to shake my hand. Um, we have beard competitions. Uh, <laughs> and they can do something. I can say, I need you to go screen compost. And they know exactly what to do, and they go do it. And, you know, hearing from the directors of these different organizations, the change that we have made in them, it's just astronomical. The garden really does heal. That's why they call Mother Nature Mother for a reason. Yeah, I hear you. That's another great reminder. Um, and your stories are wonderful to, to get the children to calm down. I just heard a story of a young man who was um, really unmanageable, and I think nature is, is part of the solution. Uh, for it. Nature has the answers. We've just forgotten to listen and to pay attention. That's true. And, you know, one of the young ladies that came one time, uh, she still does actually, um, but when she first came here, um, I walked up to her and took off my hat. You know, a gentleman takes his hat off for a lady, stuck out my hand, shook, shook her hand. And the mentor said, How'd you do that? I said, How'd I do what? He said, How'd you shake her hand? I said, I walked up to her, took my hat off, shook her hand. He said, I've never seen that 
normally when somebody walks up to her space, she's going to put a fist in, in your nose and put you right on the ground. He says, I don't understand how you did that. I said, it's, it's, it's the microbes, brother. It's, it's the microbes in the soil that are doing that. It heals everybody. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. And um, to see gardens go into schools and to see good gardens go into school, not just um, uh, not just poorly maintained gardens, but to see real creative efforts with gardening in schools and in hospitals, I think would change our whole health care system. It can, and we work with a number of different schools um, with gardens. The Eastern Connecticut Community Garden Association, um, they help about 20 different gardens in southeastern Connecticut. They've been a huge help with us. And uh, and, and these gardens are all over um, New London County, um, but in particular in schools. Um, We've got some stuff going on with the Mohegan tribe now that putting in some gardens uh, for them. They're very concerned about their food and that kind of stuff. So we are making a difference. Um, and I, I want to tell people, how do you know if your garden's soil is any good? Put a shovel in the ground, flip it over. If you can't count 10 worms in one shovel full, you need help. Oh, that's that's a good that's a good practical tip, you know. Mm-hmm. Ten worms per shovelful. That's that's something I can do. I can go out there. I can turn the soil over and count the worms, so I can get a sense if I'm working in the right direction. Correct. Correct. And we use a lot of worm castings. I've got eighteen hundred pounds of worm castings. If you don't know what worm castings is, it's, it's a worm manure um, that we put on every single bed and every time we flip the bed. So when we take one crop out and put another crop in. We're adding uh, worm castings and seaweed. We use, last year I hauled 54 truckloads of seaweed. Uh, we put it on the garden. Uh, we use a lot of wood chips, but only in the walkways, never ever in the soil. Um, and again, that's to help the, the uh, native pollinators that come and actually hide in the wood chips. So we use an awful lot of, of stuff that Mother Nature gives us. You know, why do people rake their leaves and then burn them or put them in a pile in the woods? And they have a garden, and they're not using the leaves on the garden. What? I don't understand it. Um, so, you know, we're here to teach people. And if, if your garden isn't really putting out a lot of a lot of vegetables, um, one, I can show you how to test it so you know what the what the nutritional value is of your food. You know, it's called a refractometer, and you use that, and you 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 check the plant sap, and you can do a bricks reading, which is nutrition. Um, you should be at a 12 or higher. Um, so there's a lot you can do. Um, but if you don't want to use all that fancy stuff, I can give you tips that will just blow your previous production out of the water. And nobody likes to weed. And weeds have to do with this succession of soil. I mean, we could talk for days about these subjects. There's an awful lot of information out there. But um, listen, I, I do make myself available to people. That's what we're here for. We have got to save the planet. I, I hear you, Craig. I really do. Well, before we go, you gave us one tip to sort of get some kind of an idea of the health of the soil, 10 worms per shovelful. Do you have a couple of other tips for us? Yeah, you've got to do a good soil test, um, and, and, and I mean a good soil test, and there's a number of different kinds of tests. Um, use Logan, L-O-A, wait a minute, L-O-G-A-N, sorry, Logan Labs. They're in Ohio. It's going to cost you about 25 bucks. Um I'm not going to tell you not to go to the local college, but just trust me, 
go to Logan Labs, get a base test. Now, the base test is going to tell you what's in your soil. That doesn't mean that's what's available to the plant. Right. But it's a start. It's a start. A saturated paste test will tell you what is available to the plant. Just because it's in the soil doesn't mean the plant can get it. Then you can do a plant sap analysis and tell right now what that plant has, what she's storing, what she doesn't have enough of. Um, exactly. Um, it's like taking a blood test of a, of a plant. So Logan Labs is, is, is the way to start. And if you don't understand how to use, how to do a, a read a soil test, if you look for Dan Kittredge nine part series, Dan Kittredge nine part series, and you watch that, he will teach you how to read a soil test. It's really, really simple, um, and he'll give you some some good information. On that. The other the other one, which I said earlier, was to inoculate every single seed. What's the first thing a human mother gives a baby when it's born? It's bacteria, and you need to give that same bacteria to those seeds every single one. And then, you know, you've got to water every day, but by the way, did you take a soil test? I mean, a water test, rather. Do you know what's in your water? What's the pH of your water? How hard is it? What, 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 what's in there? You need to know that, and then you need to start adding minerals. Uh, like I said, carbonatite, basalt, azomite, put those minerals in the soil. Yes, and I know um, I'm, a, I'm a new member this year of the Bionutrient Food Association, the BFA, and I've had Chris McHugh on the podcast uh, to talk about soil, and I can only uh, tell my listeners um, how invaluable their information is, because their uh, mission statement is to not just regenerate soil, but to create food that's really healthy for us and that's packed with nutrients. And the only way we're going to get there is if we look at our soil. That's very true. And God bless Chris. I love her. She's, she's fantastic. I've known her for a while, and we do work together. Um, the Bionutrient Food Association is coming out with a new device. In fact, it's already out. Um, and it, it, will, it will morph eventually into an app on your phone, which will allow the consumer to go to the local grocery store. And they're looking for Swiss chart, as an example and they can shoot a beam of light at the Swiss chard and tell instantaneously what the nutritional quality is of that Swiss chard. So if there's 10 bunches there, and eight of those bunches um, show that it's not the right nutritional value, but two of them do, the consumer's going to buy those two bunches of Swiss chard, which is going to change agriculture forever because the store manager is going to say, Mr. Conventional Grower, your stuff is not selling because you have no nutritional value in your food, but I can sell it from a regenerative farm, and, and that's what people want to buy. you got to change what you're farming. you got to quit putting a plow in the soil. you got to stop um, committing genocide and killing all that microbiology in the soil. You need to learn the right way to do it. Yeah, I agree, and it's a, it's a mindset that we have to change, and that's not always easy, but if each of us does our part, then the sum of our parts is going to make a big difference uh, in the long run, and that's where my hopes and dreams fall, especially with doing this kind of a podcast, is to connect the dots for people and inspire people uh, along the way to take action now. It's not about next week. It's about now. What can you do today? What can you prepare your garden for today? How can you make a difference today? That's what this is all about. That's true, and, and again, uh, by contacting us um, and going to our web website, www.tpnc.org, um, you can see uh, uh, all the things that we, we, we offer. I mean, we've got before-school programs, after-school programs, summer camps, etc. 
Also, if you're on Facebook, and I know a lot of people don't like Facebook, and I get that, uh, we have a closed group that's called Giving Garden. You have to ask to join, and you, you can then get a lot of our secrets, a lot of our tips. But you can also go to our website, contact me personally, um, call me at the Nature Center. Um, that's what we're here for. Um, it's all about um, uh, learning how to take care of nature and how to share it with others, especially the children. That's wonderful. Well, um, we have to close, and thank you for your tips, your information. They're very practical. I hope people will, the gardeners uh, among my listeners, I hope they will take your words to heart, and if they're not doing certain things, that they perhaps look at Logan Labs uh, and get a more comprehensive you know, soil testing. We're always telling people to get a soil test, but a more comprehensive one will really make a, a big difference. So thank you, uh, Craig, for your time and your expertise. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and God bless. All right, everybody, this is Judith Dreyer. I am the author of At the Garden's Gate book and blog. My book is available through my website, which is www.judithdreyer.com, as well as several distribution arms such as Amazon, Nook, Goodreads, and more. I'd like to remind all of you that a transcript is available for each podcast. Please like and share the podcast. Let's get the word out. Let's support each other. And remember, now is the time for practical action and profound inner change, so we value our world again. Enjoy your day.